listening to the Retail Razor Show, where your expert hosts and their guests cast through the clutter in retail and retail tech to shape the future of retail. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 3, Part 2 of the Retail Razor Show. I'm your host, Ricardo Belmar. And I'm your co-host, Casey Golden. Welcome, Retail Razor Show listeners, to our unapologetically authentic retail podcast. We're product junkies, commerce technologists, and everybody else in retail and retail tech alike. So, Ricardo, part one of our grocery shop series was quite interesting. We heard from an awesome startup, Grocery Shoppy, and their CEO, Katie Holtz. She was amazing and really makes me want to go shop for groceries, which I haven't done in literally years. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is pretty incredible. Katie is pretty amazing. You have to love her approach to making grocery shopping easier, healthier, and to me, most importantly, faster, all while saving money. Definitely expect to hear more about grocery shopping in the future. Absolutely. And then you talked with Stuart Samuel about trends at the first half of the show. No surprise there. Retail media networks, just as we predicted at the beginning of the year, were very prominent. Yeah, no doubt about it. And he also talked about a few other trends around profitability with e-commerce, convenience services, and current shopper trends driven by economic conditions. For listeners, if you haven't checked out part one, you definitely need to. So, Ricardo, what do we have coming up in part two for this episode? This episode may just blow your mind. I interviewed two experienced retailers in grocery, Lisa Kinney, VP of Customer Market Intelligence for Albertsons, and Dave Steck, VP of IT Infrastructure and Application Development for Schnuck Markets. Each of them gave a very unique perspective on many of the trends we heard about in part one. In fact, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find more unique insights and commentary anywhere else. If you're wondering why I say that, it's because both take a very different view of technology trends in grocery and start by asking one of my favorite questions and, quite frankly, probably one of the most valuable words in any language, why? Wow, that's quite a setup you just dropped. Tell us some more. Well, I want to give everything away, but okay, a few spoilers. Lisa and I talk about the value of data in grocery, and she asks why in a way that no one really expressed on stage at the show. She goes into detail on the -the behind-the-scenes conversations grocers have at a show like Grocery Shop that you don't normally hear on stage. And if that isn't shocking enough to listen to, she offers a very different take on retail media networks that may just completely change your perspective on those. Okay, well, now I really want to jump into this. Is your interview with Dave just as juicy? You bet. Dave is practically an iconic grocery shop. He's been on stage at every grocery shop each year talking about emerging technology like robotics, IoT, and more. We get into why his approach and what Chuck Markets is doing seems to be so different from what we hear from other grocers. Uh, And spoiler alert, when you hear him explain why... You just might have some flashbacks to our episode with Andy Lodato from The Vitamin Shop about his book, Fostering Innovation. It all comes down to corporate culture, and you'll hear what I mean by that. It's pretty powerful. Okay, so I thought part one was jam-packed with incredible nuggets. Now you're making me think part two is going to talk about it. Well, don't say I didn't warn you. If you wanted to take notes during part one, then you better get some extra sheets of paper out for this one. It's just crazy. This is an episode that I would put under the column of things that make you go, hmm. All right. Now you're just going totally over the top with that kind of setup. We better just dive right in and get right to it. I'm stoked. 
Let's listen together to Lisa Kenny and Dave Stack recorded live and in person at Grocery Shop 2022. Welcome to the Retail Razor Show special edition grocery shop episode. I'm here today with a special guest, Lisa Kinney, VP of Customer Market Intelligence for Albertsons. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So you and I were chatting a little bit before we recorded about what seems to be the most interesting here at the show are the things that we're not hearing people talk about on stage. Mm -hmm. Almost like a what's behind the scenes really of interest and value to people in the industry. And we, we kind of ended up landing on a discussion about data, mm-hmm. which, which to be fair, right, has been a big part of a lot of the discussions on stage, but they've all sent it around what I would call the outcome of what you do with the data you have that might be customer facing. It might be more B2B facing because as a retailer, I'm going to sell a service around this to someone else. But you had a very in- unique and interesting perspective about how grocers are looking at the data. Yeah, I think... Uh- there's a few things. Thanks for teeing that up. I, I think the, the the things that aren't discussed, that are discussed amongst peers, which is wonderful that after 30 years in this business, mm-hmm. we have we have industry peers that work with competitors, that work with, you know, that are in consultancy now. And we've all been in the data game for quite some time, at least myself in particular. And so it's nice that the conversations offstage are really about like, are you guys running into this problem too? Are you are you worried about what I am seeing or that isn't being talked about? And it's nice that we can put down the I work for X company and mm-hmm. I need to view you as, you know, a competitor. And we actually then have a lot of off the record great conversations right, around right. what's really happening behind, you know, behind the tent, per se. And so on the data space, as I was listening to there's a couple of things. First I'll talk about just this. I think it's been a revolution of technology, and I think we talked a little bit about, right. look, yeah, the change that's happened has been out of an uncontrollable demand that really accelerated everyone to solve for things that have been problems for quite some time. You know, perpetual inventory, you know, finding ways to optimize labor, finding a shorter path to distance from farm to table. All of those things have been on the minds for all of us for quite some time, but I don't think has been quite as pressing up until now. So when we think about the data side, now we have all this new cool technology like scan and go and new frictionless pay mm-hmm. systems right, right. and and the smart carts. And, and in my mind, having monetized data for so many years, I'm asking, gosh, I hope all these partners that are working with these new tech companies recognize that really the race is the data race. It's about the data. <laughs> it's all about the data. It's all about the data. <laughs> and and even when we were talking, when we were talking offline about the Instacart proposition, and it was very clear today that an advantage that they have built through the data that they're collecting in a very challenging channel to understand, which is the e-commerce channel. So right. I, I look at it like I, I hope that everyone is thinking about who's really trying to. Is it really about providing a service that's going to meet the needs of customers? Or is there an underpinning of data that has high profitability, really high margins, mm-hmm, and ultimately right. is really what they're going after? So I just think we have yeah. to be a little careful. Yeah. It's part, who do you choose as the partner? And Correct. then part, once you've chosen the partner, mm-hmm. how do you define the relationship? Yes. How do you define right. the relationship? And I think one of the, the most telling questions anyone could ask is, how do you make money? 
Right. What's their business model? What is your, like, how do you make money? And and ultimately, when you start peeling the layers, you might find that it might even be not profitable at all, but they are banking on, you know, and Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not speaking disparagingly of technology, right? right? Right. But, but I just think it's something that's woven throughout all of this that's not necessarily front and center in the discussion. Yeah. Yeah. And it's still something you have to think about to see how it solves your problem, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So, uh, so along those lines, and one of the other things we were talking about before that, that very directly relates to everything about data is what's happening around retail media networks. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, and so I'll speak, and, and as a reminder and disclaimer, I, I am only speaking as Lisa Kenny, 30 years of being around the block a few times. Right. And so my, this is just my opinion, right? Mm-hmm. So my opinion is something's going to disrupt this whole retail media ecosystem that's being developed right now. I think every retailer is looking for ways to drive alternative revenue. I think that's of no surprise. I think the data game was really it 20 years ago. I think Kroger, obviously, and, you know, having worked with them in that space from the very beginning when that was being developed, it it was a data play for a Mm -hmm. long time. And then then it's become a media play. And I think every retailer is my audience is bigger than your audience or my partner is better than your partner. So, you know, I can I can now do attribution and Mm -hmm. get brand dollars in the in the digital TV world. And I can. Right. 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 Yep. And all about making it more attractive uh, to the brand. Yes. Yes. And as a brand, having been a brand long, long ago, so really long time, I start thinking about, okay, so now I'm a, a trade planner. I'm in trade marketing. Where does where does retail media fit in to that? Mm-hmm. I know I used to say it doesn't come out of trade dollars. You know, I mean, that uh-huh. was my selling profit. It doesn't come out of trade. It's, mm-hmm. it's, this is brand funded. And perhaps it's a bit true, but as a brand then, so now I'm the brand owner. So I'm, I own brand X. And I've got to make a decision on how I take my media plan that I want to develop for my brand. And now I've got to go sell it in and try and figure out how to activate against mm-hmm. all these retail audiences. And, and quite frankly, just so that we all understand, these audiences are all overlapping. Right. It's, right. In 80% of the cases, I'd say they're the same. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. so are you going to pay four times to reach that? So <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, maybe I'm being too simplistic about it, but I'm like, I, I wonder... I wonder Who's going to come in and say, you know what? Don't worry about going direct to retail. Don't worry about each individual RMN. We've got the solution for you. I don't know if it's in the payment space. I don't know if it's going to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hate to name company names, but I really feel like someone's going to come in and say, this is a really fragmented world right. to talk to the same shared common customer. Mm-hmm. And somebody has access to that shared common customer, and it might actually not be the retailer. Yeah. Yeah, but they can kind of give you an aggregated sure. view across retailers, sure. retailers, right? Because sure. they know who they may know who the customer is. Absolutely. They may have a better data point that that kind of fingers out it's this customer, it's right? This and customer. they and they visit these four stores or these four yeah. different retailers. So I can help you target them much better than the individual retailers. Correct. Because right? you're going to pay 10x in, in that person's, yeah. it's which, to the highest yeah, bidder. Like, you know. Exactly. Yeah, which I, th- I think it's, it's a fascinating point because mm-hmm. it kind of brings us almost back full circle, right? Mm-hmm. To how all advertising started, where you had these, you know, access to gigantic audiences mm-hmm. in a more centralized way to reach as many people as you could. And in some ways, I guess for me, that, that goes a little bit against the retail media premise that you're trying to, I'm kind of pitching to you. I have a narrow focused 
audience mm-hmm. that is therefore because it's narrowly focused more valuable to you. At least I think that's the premise, right? Sure. That's the pitch. Sure. But to your point, if you're the brand, well, is that really what I want? Is, is that helping me? Mm-hmm. Is it too narrow? Do I need to kind of back mm-hmm. up and say, well, I need I need a broader reach because I, I'm a national brand. I need to reach yeah. as many. It, it's great that I know who I'm reaching more specifically. I will use an example like where I live. There's, I don't know, four or five different grocery stores nearby. So I'm pretty sure if I guess the people in my neighborhood <laughs> don't all say, I only ever go to that one Correct. store and I never visit the other three stores. We'll call that never. Yeah, I think that's the never use case, right? <laughs> no, nobody acts that way. If you, I think if you asked everyone in my neighborhood and would say, oh yeah, of the five grocery stores, I probably regularly visit three of them. Correct. Right. Correct. And I think that that's the interesting pieces because I, I, I there's a part of me that's at one point thought, Whichever retailer just says, you know what, I'm not going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to take my data and I am just going to pipe it to the top three agencies that mm-hmm. do all the brand media, so mm-hmm. you know, like the, you know, the top ones, right? Yeah, right. I'm just going right. to pipe my data there and, and, and let them go. Like buy yeah. audiences, you have all our behavior data. I mean, I'm, I'm talking a world of like what ifs and that would right. not happen. But <laughs> you think about it, I'm like, maybe that would be the first for winter. Yeah. Well, maybe if there's that that sort of aggregator out there that comes sure. in, whether it's a revenue share or some other business model that that you know helps create that incremental stream that the or it's the just not a wants. retailer at all, and it's yeah. somebody else, or it's somebody else. It could be a, it could be a new tech company that hasn't Correct. come come out yet. Correct. That, it's that, that figures out how to do it. Yeah, no, it's that's too a great fragmented. Point. I, I think yeah. I think it's just you know one plus one plus one. Right. You know. Yeah. The equals five. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's that scenario. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Because it's all incremental, right? right. It's that's all right. incremental. Yeah. yeah. It's it's yep. that's impossible. Yeah, no, that's a great, great point. That's a great point. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been fascinating. I mean, a really different kind of perspective from everybody that I've been talking to so far. I think I'm really intrigued by this idea you brought up. That there's another solution out there that we're not quite seeing yet that somebody's going to come up with that's going to solve this problem in a, in a bigger and better way. Until then, I think that the retail media space is, is transforming quickly. Yeah. And I think that there's money to be had. And I think that it, it'll be a fun, profitable ride for many for, for, for a while. For a while. Yeah. But I just don't think that that's going to be the model that's for forever. I, I just can't envision it. But yeah. that's probably an unpopular opinion. So it's just <laughs> yeah. mine. It's just right. my opinion. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. We'll yeah. see how it plays out. And then we can, we can all see who, who was right about the prediction. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I know nothing. It's just yeah. an observation. Well, Lisa, thanks again for joining me. It's been great talking with you about the grocery space. Yes, it's been wonderful. Thanks for having me. Welcome to the Retail Razor Show Special Edition at Grocery Shop 2022. Continuing our series of conversations with true retail transformers to talk all things grocery and consumer goods. I'm here now with Dave Steck, VP of IT Infrastructure and Application Development for Schnuck Markets. Dave, it's great to have you on the show. And I have to say, you you must be becoming a, a grocery shop mainstay, as I think you've been a speaker at every single grocery shop, haven't you? That's correct. Well, it's wonderful to, to have you with us here today. So I guess I have to say, the, the obviously, the reason you've been invited year after year to uh, be a speaker at the show is that you've, you've let a number of innovative technology initiatives 
edge stock markets and ranging from deploying robots, IoT, computer vision, and, and other things in, in store. Let's get started by kind of walking me through all these different technologies that you've been talking about and, and what your experience has been with them and getting them deployed to stores and what challenges they're helping you solve. Well, obviously, I always talk about robots. So yeah, yeah. Uh, that was really kind of the first big one, the big splash, because everybody's interested in that. And that really started in 2017 with Symbi Robotics to just understand that technology and what the capabilities were. I think the, the, the funny thing I, I talk about quite often is when we first deployed those, it got a lot of press and yeah, you know, yeah. I was interviewed. I was interviewed quite a bit by the local radio stations. And one of the quotes that I remember saying is, you know, we're most interested in the data that comes back from this. I had right. no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> it just sounded good at the time. But the reality is, you, you start to understand that data that's coming back from the robot and all the different capabilities that it enables within the, within the business. And it, it, that data is just invaluable. So th that's, that's one of the big things that we've been doing. We've looked at lately ele electronic shelf labels, which okay. is another big business enabler for us as well. And that's through different evaluations. We've evaluated three different three different types of tags and settled on pretty much settled on one at this point, getting ready to, to roll that out across the chain. If the value proposition holds up, like we think yeah. it is. Okay. Um, okay. So, but that there's a lot that goes with the electronic shelf label as well. Um, yeah. As far as capability. You know, yeah. Picked a like stock light. Um, uh huh. Um, what, what have been some of the things that, you know, you were really looking for as like your, your top value that you want to get out of the electronic shelf labels? Well, that's an interesting, that's an interesting question. Cause when we first looked at this years ago, years ago, I've only been with the company for eight years, but you know, three or four years ago, uh, as a matter of fact, the reseller that, I, that, I, that we're working with came and, and quotes me back on this is, you know, I, I told him the math equation doesn't work uh -huh. um, and it, and it didn't work, but post COVID yeah. now, yeah. when you're, you're looking at a dwindling labor pool and you're trying to add the value to the customer and not just going through repetitive processes. You, you still have to have an ROI. Right. Yeah. But of course, yeah. But now you have to look at it a little different. So yeah. the the math equation is is entirely different. And and that's what makes this kind of exciting is it's something now that we can do. And now that we can do this, what is the value you can get out of it? Okay. So, so you're kind of backing into it in a different way. Right. Yeah. So, so you know, understanding pick to light, stock to light. People think, well, everybody in the, in the store knows where everything's at. The store teammates know it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And yeah. It, you have to think about turnover. Right. But even then, I, you know, I've been in the store where there's a stocker that's 10 years with a company. Mm. And he loves the ability to turn on a light when he can't find an item. He says, I don't know where everything's at. He said, I've been here for 10 yeah. years. I still don't know where everything's at. You still don't at. know. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so you, you get that. You can get into other capabilities as well, which you have all these AI pricing engines, Eversight is who we use. But with Eversight, you have to be able to change tags on a fairly frequent basis. But with COVID and yeah. dwindling labor supply, you can only change so many tags. And then you really have no true way of verifying that that tag was actually hung. Okay. So yeah. you could be making some AI pricing decisions based off of bad data. Yeah. With the ESL now, yeah. you've got, you know that that price was delivered. Right. You, you to can that verify and you've got the you validation that the yeah. change is made. So, and we're not, we're not, we're not there yet because we don't have ESLs deployed 
across the company, but mm-hmm. that is definitely something that we're looking at yeah. as far as capability. There's other other value that comes from ESL. You can do day part pricing, mm-hmm. other special promotions, yeah. you know, for customers who are in your loyalty program. If there's something that they're looking for, yeah, they can push, you know, light up the light as well within the app, so that they can actually find the item that they're that they're looking for. So, for, with a lot of these things, and I've heard you talk about this before, and even in, in past grocery shops. The, is the, the time-saving factor for the workforce in the store, is that you typically a major factor that goes into the ROI for you? Good question. The, the robot, so let's talk with the robot. Yeah. Robot, everybody thought was, well, we're, we're cutting hours because you're using a robot. Sure, do. sure, um, yeah, yeah. And the reality is it wasn't so much a time-saving as it was an accuracy. The, the time that okay. we, we allow for, at the time we were doing this, was four hours a week for store teammates to scan outs. Mm-hmm. You can't get that done in four hours. Right. We, yeah. we did it ourselves. We sent IT people in there. It took us 12 <laughs> hours to do it. There you um, go. Yeah. And, you know. yeah. So doing the robot wasn't, I'm going to cut hours. It was, I'm going to get the experience for the customers and get the products on the shelf. Mm-hmm. That was, a, yeah. that, that's you now you, if you go in, I think it was every three hours or four hours, they had to use the, the laser temp sensors to go and mm-hmm. check all the cases. And if you look at the logs, you, you know that the temp, was never read. It was just somebody writing down, <laughs> writing down what they felt yeah, like okay. writing down. Right. So, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Most likely because of the time involved. Right. Right. They want to get it done. Yeah. And and you also have no reliance on how they did it. Mm, Everybody okay. has a different, a different way, way of doing it. And if they're looking for a certain temperature, they can find it in the case, and they can write that temperature down. So with with temp sensing, you're you're getting a consistent location for the probe or the sensor. Right. And yeah. It's consistent time, and you can, again, build a data algorithm around that to know your case health. And if there's something going wrong, you, you get notified you get about in. that. I mean, right. we have other sensing within our cases that is more sophisticated that's looking at, you know, compressor temperatures uh-huh. and, yeah. and pressure and all that. But getting it into each four-foot door makes a big difference. Sure. So. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. So let me ask you this, because one thing I've noticed, I, I've kind of been looking for who else is talking about doing these same kinds of technology deployments that you've done. And I, I feel that I, I'm not hearing as much as I would think I would, given the amount of time that you've already had these things in place, the, the, the years you've invested in getting it deployed. I, I'm curious what, what you think are the things holding back other grocers from doing what you've already done. From our perspective, or uh, from my perspective, we have a mandate, I guess you could say it's a mandate to try new things. Mm-hmm. And we are, we are constantly trying to try new things. So there, it's part of our reviews. Are you, okay. yeah. are you trying new things? So that, that helps. We're family owned. Mm-hmm. We're 112 stores. So we don't have the bureaucracy that you get okay. into yeah. these large yeah. corporations. And right. I've worked for large corporations and I know that the ideation is great. Mm-hmm. But the execution just gets bogged yeah, down because right. everybody wants. Everybody to has get to have a say in it and be involved. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And it becomes you know decision by massive committee. Yep. Yeah. Right. So, right. Analysis paralysis. Exactly. Yeah. So really, yeah. so it comes. So you're kind of saying it comes down to that corporate culture and, and how innovation centric is that culture and their ability to execute on on any given innovation. Yeah, and you also have a fear factor with sure, that yeah. as well. Right. Yeah. A lot of people are scared for their jobs. Yeah. And. If you don't have that culture, which 
failure is okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Yeah. That's then important. Nobody's, then nobody's going to try. No one's going to try anything. Yeah. yeah. I'm not no, you're stick absolutely my right. Neck out. It's, yeah. you know, it's like, why well, everybody bought IBM years ago. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. No, you couldn't go wrong. Nobody it, got fired. Over nobody that. got fired yeah. over that. Yeah. So, no, that's a good yeah. point. So if, if you have someone who's trying to do the, these kinds of things and they look at you and say, Dave, what are some of the, the lessons you've learned that if you were to go back and do it all over again, what would you do differently? Yeah. There's been some big failures. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you try too hard to get to the end result and you go too fast. There's been a number of things that we've rolled out that mm-hmm. we just went crazy and got the implementation done to, to get to the end result or the cost savings or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you stand back and you look at it and you go, yeah, that was a big, one. but right. then, but then you you fight your way through it. It's <sighs> failure is only failure. If you allow yourself to say I quit, right? Yeah, that's if, true. If, if you fail and keep trying and fix the problem, then it's not really failure. It's just, it's a learning experience. It's a learning experience and you still get to what you need to get to. Yeah. It just is a little bit painful. Yeah. I I completely agree with you. It's one of those things that it, I think it goes back to that corporate culture and culture of of innovation uh, as to how the whole organization wants to support that. Because just like you mentioned earlier, there's that fear of failure and if that's a valid fear, then nobody wants to fail, right? right. So, so nobody wants to try anything then because they might fail. Are, are there any other technologies like this? You know, because you, you've done a lot at this point. You've really made good use of all these things we call emerging technologies in the space. Apart from the electronic shelf labels, are there anything else catching your eye that you're really looking at, either studying or thinking about? But that's where we're going next. Well, uh, smart carts are, are one okay. thing. Yeah, I've looked at the Amazon Go type uh-huh. concepts. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, it's, it's great, but the infrastructure that's associated with that, right. the retrofitting yeah. of a building. I think I think smart carts are one thing that's really got some some traction mm-hmm. in it. You see more and more of the self scanning mm-hmm. as you're yeah, as you're shopping. Go. Uh, yeah, that that's failing in places. You have too much mm-hmm. theft. Sure. I, there are a couple of things that I've looked at that. I think are really cool um, that I really don't know where the business case is for it. We were looking for indoor GPS. Um, okay. So I went through a number of different things with beaconing and mm-hmm. yep. into yep. visible. I remember beacons. Yeah. Did you ever <laughs> see visible light communication? I did. Yeah. That's I really looked cool. at that once before too. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Um, really accurate, but the customers would hate you because you kill their battery before they finish <laughs> your shopping journey. And then you have Orient out there. I don't know if you've seen Orient or not which is an Israeli company that does indoor positioning and they're using uh-huh. it on the, off the phone. It, it, it's super accurate, but it's, it's understanding as time has evolved for us and we've gotten further away. It's how do we, how do we incorporate that capability into our app and the experience for, for the end customer now? Mm-hmm. And, and I think eventually we'll get there, but indoor positioning yeah. is going to, is going to stick at some point. It's it's important. Yeah, yeah. I think that's definitely one. Customers want that. Right? Yes. Customers want the benefit from that one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Dave, I really appreciate you joining me today. This has been a, a fascinating conversation. I love hearing all the different things that you're trying and hearing about the, the culture of your organization and how you guys go about trying new things. I think that's fantastic. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. We hope you enjoyed our show and we can't ask you enough to please give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts to help us grow and bring you more great episodes. If you don't want to miss a minute of what's next, be sure to smash that subscribe button in your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to check out our show notes for handy links and more deets. I'm your host, Casey Golden.
And if you'd like to learn more about the two of us, follow us on Twitter at KCC Golden and Ricardo underscore Belmar, or find us on LinkedIn. Be sure to follow the show on LinkedIn and Twitter at Retail Razor, plus our YouTube channel for videos of each episode and bonus content. I'm your host, Ricardo Belmar. Thanks for joining us. And remember, there's never been a better time to be in retail if you cut through the clutter. Until next time, this is the Retail Razor Show.